Brandy, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you uh, about diversity, equity, and inclusion in clinical trials and how we continue to advance um, clinical trials forward. You know, for so long, uh, so many communities have not been representative in uh, clinical trials, which is affecting different populations when those drugs are rolled out to market. So, Brandy, uh, just want to chat with you a little bit about that and some other things. Uh, but before, before we get started, I'd love for you to um, give a short overview of who you are, uh, where you come from, what you've been doing the past few years, and what you're doing now. Yeah, so I'm originally from Louisiana, um, from Lafayette, Louisiana. So it's a it's a small small city, but it feels you know like like a town. Uh, so I've, I'm I'm definitely like a Southern Belle. Um, of right now, I live in Los Angeles. Um, I'm a clinical research professional. I've been in the industry for over 15 years. Um, I'm also a research participant, and I've been participating in research studies for uh, the last 10 years. I'm also a patient experience advisor uh, where I help organizations sort of think about new initiatives and programs from you know, the patient's perspective. And finally, I'm a philanthropist. Uh, so I, I do not only contribute my time, but also uh, donate a lot to causes related to, you know, um, patient care, health care, patient experience and clinical trials. So you're all in. I love it. Um, <laughs> did, did you touch a little bit on what you're doing now and where you work? I did not. <laughs> so right right now, um, I work for Envenio Research. It is, I feel like it's a grass, more of a grassroots organization where there's a real focus um, on rural communities and underserved, underrepresented urban areas um, of the United States, um, as well as, as abroad. Uh, so again, a community first sort of um, uh, strategy, as you will where we do a lot of community engagement before we ever introduce a trial. Community engagement is key. Health education, clinical trials, study agnostic education. And so like our goal is to be a part of the ecosystem of that community. So not only do we, you know, we're able to bring, you know, that educational aspect, we can also do, uh, we do clinical trials there as well. Um, we hire from within the community. So we uh, we create jobs. Um, and then we also give back to the community by participating uh, in, you know, various um, initiatives with, you know, nonprofits, government. Uh, so the goal is to become a fabric of the community in that we don't just come, you know, helicopter in, do a trial, and then we leave. We stay because we we want to be a part of the community. We want to be a part of the fabric of that community. And I think that's such key, excuse me, especially with clinical trials today, not just going in and say, hey, we need you to join this clinical trial because we need to exactly. check the box. Yeah. Like and then, and yeah, really and doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then in my role, which I'm the head of DEI strategy, 
what I, we already have such a solid, wonderful, beautiful community engagement model. So I'm just here to, you know, sort of enhance what we do, make sure we like people understand what we do, um, improve what we do and also like form really good partnerships so that we can continue to serve our communities. That's awesome, Brandy. I'm excited to have you. That, that's exactly where I'm here. Yeah. here today. I needed. I needed this. Yeah. Um. And so, just diving right in, um, and piggybacking right off of that, um, can you talk to me uh, a little bit more? I know you said that you were from. Um. You, you called yourself a little Southern girl. I call myself <laughs> a Southern guy, being from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um. But what does diversity in clinical trials mean to you, especially being from the South? Yeah. So for me, it means it means access, but it's not just, well, all these things are available to you. Just go out and get it. No, it's really about being intentional with that access. Right. So the same individual that can get fantastic healthcare, therefore access to clinical trials because they go to an academic medical center that's well renowned and doing all these this research. I think those same opportunities should be afforded you know, to someone who lives in a rural community, I don't know, maybe they they have a farm or they, you know, there may be a blue collar worker or they just simply don't have access just because geography, geographically they don't have access. It's about being intentional in that, okay, so we need to start from the beginning. It, like I said, engaging with communities, I believe that that's key, but also having them, ha- amplifying their voices, mm-hmm. asking them, what is it that you need? What is it that we can do? Let's partner so that we can give you access to clinical trials. So it's, again, engagement, partnership, and really getting getting down where the people are. Right. I don't think you can do that from, you know, behind a computer screen. So, and then also like with the protocol, like maybe it doesn't, maybe, you know, the way the protocol is des- designed doesn't necessarily um, uh, it, it it poses barriers to right. maybe certain individuals or certain communities or certain demographics, whatever that may be. Right. Um, and so it's about being very holistic about the way that we approach things, yeah. um, especially, you know, in, in this industry. I like it. Uh, that's spot on for me. Um, I couldn't have said it any better. I actually did a webinar um, a few months ago. Well, not a few months ago, maybe last year in the fall, I say a few months, I'm still stuck and feeling like it's January sometimes. (laughs) Um, Those are some key things that I pointed out as well. Uh, So thank you for bringing those to our attention. Um, And Brandy, do you think that um, as we continue to go into these communities and, you know, engage with them in certain ways, whether that be through technology when we get there, you know, working with them, you know, you have kids that you need to engage with as well. And sometimes technology is the best way to get across to them or sometimes even the older populations. Uh, do you think that technology can have a uh, influence on diversity in clinical trials or, or maybe you've had an experience where you've had to use diversity in clinical trials? Because I know you mentioned uh, that you were a patient? And if so, in what ways? Yeah. So I think technology, when when executed correctly, and I say executed correctly, because I think you really need to have your end user be a part of the conversation, mm-hmm. um, whether that's a focus group or whatever it may be, end user needs to be a part of that. And technology may not be suitable for everyone. And that's okay too, right? Right. Um, But I think what it can do is provide convenience. Mm -hmm. So 
I put myself as an example. I work a nine to five and I live in LA, but I live in a part of LA that's like really North LA. Right. And it takes 45 minutes to get anywhere. So if, so my primary care physician is in Beverly Hills, that means I've got to travel like an hour to get there. So I travel an hour. I go to a research visit, let's say for 30 minutes, an hour, and then I've got to travel back home for an hour. I can't do that in the middle of my day. So I was fortunate to participate in a study that did exclusively use technology. Um, It was sort of like on my time when I was available um, and it allowed me to, this is the beauty of clinical research. I'm just going to go off on a little tangent here, but you know, I'm, in in some ways, I, I could be like a borderline diabetic, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but I didn't really know. And so the, the research study I participated in, I had a continuous glucose monitor. Mm-hmm. So I was then able to track like, okay, that's my glucose. And I all the time, and I could see how the foods that I ate impacted, you know, my glucose. So I thought that was like a really wonderful wonderful thing, at least for me. So not only did I, was I able to participate, it was in a way that was convenient for me. And I got to learn a lot about myself. Right. So I think that's, that's one way of probably many that technology, um, technology is helpful, especially in this day and age when, you know, you can order your groceries, which I do. Um, I can get on <laughs> demand. Yeah, I can get on demand healthcare. I can do telemedicine. I can have a doctor come to my house. Um, I can have a massage therapist come to my house. Like it's, it's sort of we're a little bit spoiled. First world problems, right? Right. But, um, <laughs> but I, I do. I I think that's all enabled by technology. Right. Right. And you have to think about this, too. If, you know, you have a nine to five um, and you're you're not able to make it and you have the technology that helps you, you know, go through that trial or go what it telemedicine, whatever you need to um, to participate in a clinical trial or what it may be. You have to think about those people who don't have access to um, transportation or other things like that. Technology is definitely going to help them. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Yeah. And when you think about it, so, and you also have to think about taking time off from work. Mm-hmm. I mean, not all of us are salaried, right? right? Some of us, we rely on these wages. When you're not at work, you don't get paid. Right. And in my opinion, I think clinical research is a right. I think it should be supported. Um, I think that, you know, people shouldn't have to be penalized for participating in research, whether it's wages And also think of this. So I just, I use myself as an example. I work a nine to five, right? I used to be a CRC, a clinical research coordinator. Mm -hmm. We were not working on weekends. Right. So we worked nine to five. And if you were available, great. If you weren't available, I don't know what to tell you. We weren't open. So it really opens the doors um, for more people to be able to participate in research. Right. Thank you for that. And I'm, I'm going to go back a little bit now. Uh, I first learned of this during um, my stint in nursing school, uh, which I feel like I should have learned of it, learned of this in a history book before. But um, I learned of Henrietta Lacks and the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. And being from the South, it, you know, Tuskegee is an hour and a half from my grandmother's house. 
So once I did learn about it, you know, I wanted to talk to her about all these things. What what is it like, you know? And I came into clinical research and that's when I learned that really there was a break in there was so much distrust in communities of in so many communities, specifically uh, communities of color, um, including with my grandmother. And people would say, well, why, why are you going to work in clinical research when it's plagued so many underrepresented communities for so long? Um, you know, being in clinical research now, the both of us, how do we break down the barriers and build trust with communities of color to 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 know that, that we need them in these clinical trials to push those drugs or devices to market? Absolutely. So I think the first thing we have to think about is acknowledging that this mm-hmm. stuff happened and also clarifying exactly what happened, right? So there, I've heard many people say they gave those people syphilis, mm-hmm. which is not true. Right. So clarifying what actually happened, also discussing what were the results of that. So what sort of legislation came out? What sort of guidance? What sort of rules came out of those horrible things, you know, that happened? So, and this is a larger conversation because there's government, there's no trust in government, right? Mm -hmm. Or very little for a lot of people. And there's also the, there's a there's a trust issue when it comes to the pharmaceutical industry. Right. And that has to deal with, you know, the exorbitant price of drugs that come out onto the market and people being able to afford medications that they so desperately need. Right. This is, again, why community engagement is so, 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 so important. Yeah. So when I was when I had my stint doing community engagement um, and I still do it from time to time, but I was doing it more heavily um, a few years ago. There was so much interest in clinical research. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did talk about Tuskegee. We talked about Henrietta Lacks and we talked about all of those things. Um, and it was a good discussion to have. It just needed to happen. Right. And it should always happen wherever you are. It's OK to talk about it. And it's OK for people to still not feel comfortable. That's OK as well. Right. Um, but one thing that I tell people is that. Have you ever gone to a CVS or Walgreens or your local pharmacy to pick up medication? And they say yes. And I said, do you know that that would not be possible if someone hadn't participated in a clinical trial? And they're like, no, I didn't know that. And I said, okay, so imagine this. There's some genetic differences maybe between you and let's say white males who the majority, like that's, that's really the major population that participates in clinical research. So there's, so there's that. And then you experience a bad reaction to that medication. And then other people in silos just on their own are also who look like you are also experiencing these bad effects. Do you know that perhaps that could have been caught had more of us participated in that clinical trial? Yeah. And they're like, wow, yeah, you're right. And then I said, because I am a research participant, let me explain to you how closely I'm followed. They document every single thing that happens. They're always checking up on you. Did you have a headache? Do you do do you experience anything that was gnarly? You know. So there's there's that really close um, 
follow-up and the following of the patient. And so if something were bad, let's say to happen to you, and they think it's attributed to, you know, whatever you're, you're taking as part of the trial, then guess what? You're going to be not only, you know, make perhaps withdrawn from the study, but still follow up maybe to make sure you're okay. That's also going to be reported to the FDA. So when they put the labels out, as far as like contraindications or or adverse effects that can happen, that's all going to be listed there. Right. Another example that I give, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say the name of the drug, but there is a drug out there that is currently being prescribed to black, black people. And the effects are crazy swelling in the mouth and here and in the throat and so number one, they've already said, you know, this is not effect, the, the drug is not effective in blacks, right. right? And the second thing is these side effects are horrendous, but yet it's still being prescribed. Yep. Why? If we had participated in the trial, hopefully we would have caught that. And then boom, it just never, you know, it would have, we would have just cut that out, right? We wouldn't be prescribing that today. So those are some of the examples that I give. And I also educate about the different types of clinical research, right? So you can have a research study where there's nothing to take, right? Maybe it's just monitoring something about you. Maybe it's monitoring your health or uh, maybe it's like me using the continuous glucose monitor. Um, Also, uh, maybe it's like a phase four study where, you know, they've done all the trials, they've gotten a lot of information. And now it's like, you know, open, you know, open label, and then you can participate in that. So like I said, educate, engagement, education, that's really, really, really key. You're right. And you you brought up a good point. You mentioned something about the FDA, and it got me thinking about the FDA's most recent mandate that all, you know, clinical trials have to have the diversity action plans. And it's not just a box people can check anymore. You know, when you report to them, we have to say, okay, we had this many African-Americans, this many, this, this many, that, this is who the disease is affecting the most. Um, and this is how they were enrolled in the trial. Um, thinking of that, and I know you talked about community engagement and education, but more so from um, maybe like more site uh, side of things, what do you think is key, because now you're going to have a lot of people, I don't want to say scrambling, but scrambling to make sure everything's right, specifically on that side, because they're not even going to be considered if they don't have that, since it's a mandate. From the site side, how do you feel that um, you all or others can work together with um, CROs, sponsors, Mm -hmm. vendors to um, advance clinical trials on this, you know, this platform of diversity now? Yeah, so I think there's there's a few elements to this. So let's start with let's start with sites, right? Sites, and I'm acknowledging up front that there's very limited funding. They don't have the luxury to spend a lot of money on community engagement. And I'll get to that solution in a moment. So you have sites who may already have deep roots in the community, right? Right. And that's fantastic. So now let's expand on that, right? So even in a city, there's still like this geographical boundary from which you operate. So let's go deeper. Let's 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 spread our roots out a little bit more. Let's partner with 
maybe nonprofits. Let's partner with government. Let's kind of spread the labor a little bit um, and collaborate. And like this could be, you know, certain initiatives maybe the government has that can be supported. So let's say, for example, health screenings, right? right. The government wants to do health screenings like at, at, a, at a, a festival, let's say. So then perhaps the government can provide funding to the site and the site can perform those health screenings, right? While also giving education on healthcare, clinical trials, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, so that that's sort of, you know, one aspect. Um, the other, if I'm expanding out a little bit more, is we really need sponsors. Yeah. Like we cannot do this without them. And the onus of of closing the diversity gap should never solely lie with a clinical research site, right? Because let's back up a little bit. The the mistrust is with government and pharma. So pharma needs a physical presence, in my opinion. So to show that we are here, we are here to serve you. Right. And... Let's talk about what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's a community engagement individual or what, but it needs to be ongoing. Right. Underserved communities have long memories. They'll remember who was there, who wasn't there, who wronged them, who did them right. And so it's not just about like money. You can't throw money at this problem. Right. Not this one. You have to physically be there. You have to physically show up, show that you are in it with them and talk about other things. Maybe, maybe a pharma can sponsor a health screening. Maybe, you know, there's a coalition that's created by the pharmaceutical and biotech industry where they're contributing funds and they, they have like some sort of committee, like maybe it's a nonprofit, right? And there's a committee of, you know, board of directors or committee advisory group or whatever, who talks about, okay, well, what will the dissemination of these funds look like? in the name of, you know, increasing diversity in clinical trials. So I say all that to say it's about collaboration. It's about partnership. Um, But sites need help, not just with, you know, funding, but they need like resources, they need labor. Um, And I think, I I don't think this diversity problem is hard. Um, I know we talk about it all the time, but I can, my two cents, my company, they're doing it. We have a dedicated community engagement manager. I wish I could share with you all of the things that they do. It's it's mind-blowing, like from Meals on Wheels to bagging groceries to, they just do so much stuff in the community and it builds that trust. And like I said, it's not hard. You just, we just have to do it. Right. That yeah. trust is key. Brandy, I... I love talking to D. <laughs> Same. It's always so good to, you know, hear a different perspective. You know, we both grew up in the South, but um, we both had different journeys up to where we are now. So it's always good to hear your take on diversity, equity, inclusion versus someone else's or even mine. So yeah. um, thank you so much for sharing your insights today. Um, I'm excited to see where we go in clinical trials with um, in terms of diversity. Um, and it's going to take people like us and, to get down and, you know, really drive that forward. But more so, you know, there's people out there that are like, what can I do? I work for this sponsor, but we have 30,000 employees. 
reach mm-hmm. out, see how you can help. Even that's just being there for support at that time and to educate yourself on how to move forward and how to, you know, bring about that change. So just wanted to thank you again today. Um, this was great. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Darius. I'll talk to you later.